Father, we just thank you once again this morning. What an awesome God we serve. Your good God, your mercy endures forever. And this morning, Father, even as we meditate upon your word, we seek for the gift of the Holy Spirit once again, Lord, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, we seek, we seek. You said, Lord, ask and you shall find. Seek, seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given to you. Lord, this morning we want to ask of you. We want to seek from you, Lord. And your word says, if you being evil fathers want to desire to have the desire to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven would give the Holy Spirit to whoever asks and therefore ask. And like Father, you asked us to be like that importunate friend who would ask his neighbor and would not give up. Like import that, like that importunate widow who would ask, Father, this morning, therefore we ask, Lord. We want to ask you, we want to seek you. We want to seek you, O oh Lord. We want to seek you. And therefore this morning, I pray, Lord, even as we seek you in your word, I pray that, Lord, we don't seek knowledge. We want to seek you for, your, for you said in your word. And this is life eternal, that you may know me, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And therefore, this morning, we want to seek you in the word. We want to seek you in the ministry of the word. Therefore, I pray that you would anoint us all to that end, Lord, in the speaking and the hearing. And grant us ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord has to say in this last hour of time. Enable us not to be distracted. Father, remove every tiredness from our body. Bind every principality and power of darkness that is trying to thwart your work against, which is working against, O oh Lord, the ministry of the word from this pulpit in the name of Jesus and we release ourselves for the glory of God. We thank you, we praise you for in Jesus' name. Amen. So we seek the giver, not the gift. And our heart's desire is to lift. So, um, in keeping with um, what we've sung in our worship, um, I wanted to title today's uh, uh, study as Whom Do You Seek? I mean, it's just, I already wrote it much before Peter sang, so we'll just keep it like that. Okay. <laughs> We've been looking at the fundamental doctrines of Christianity so that uh, God could make us into His dwelling place. The purpose of God is to make us into a dwelling place, into a dwelling place of, of God in the Spirit. And that's what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22 will say. To be to become a dwelling place of God in the spirit. In uh, Stephen's uh, discourse to the Sanhedrin, this is what he says. It's a very fantastic verse. If you turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 7 verses 44 to 50. Our fathers had made the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed Instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he has seen. It's remarkable, isn't it? Okay, and this is, by the way, this is the final, uh, what do you call, paragraph of his preaching. The first and the last message that Stephen preached and after that he was martyred. Okay. There's a final paragraph. He was coming to the, <laughs> he's coming to the end result, I mean, end of his preaching. And this is what it says. Our fathers, um, yeah, uh, fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it 
in turn also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David. So until the days of David, um, this was, this tabernacle was there and of course God is now building the tabernacle of David of course. Let's go on, move on. Who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. So David had a desire in God's, in his heart to make a dwelling place of God. But who built the uh, temple? Solomon built him a house. But look at what it says. However, beautiful. Look at this. That is the old covenant. Now the transition is here. However, the most high God does not dwell in the temples made with hands. As the prophet says. Who is the prophet? Maybe it's, I don't know. I think it's uh, Isaiah. I didn't check it. <laughs> Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place for my of my rest? And then verse 15. Has my hand not made all these things? And then verse 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. And then after that, you know, the end of Stephen. This is how Stephen's discourse ends. What was what is Stephen's discourse? He says, guys, you're looking at this temple. God is wanting to make you into his temple. Okay. Moses made a temple and God gave him a pattern and he asked him to make the temple like just according to the pattern that he has been shown on the mountain. Joshua brought the tabernacle into the promised land. David said, oh, I'm, I'm dwelling in these palaces and I want to build a dwelling place for my God. Solomon built him a house. All these things happened. But what does Isaiah say? Many years later after David died and Solomon passed away, he says, the most high God. What will a kind of a dwelling place will you make for me? I inhabit eternity. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. And that God who dwells in eternity, the high and lofty one who dwells in eternity, he says, I also dwell with him who has a humble and a contrite spirit. And therefore he says, Stephen says, God is not interested in making temples made with hands. You and I now are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we want to build a temple according to pattern, right? Understand that? So again, um, this is to the Jews that uh, Stephen proclaims this particular word. If you go to Acts chapter 17 and let, let's, let's read from verse 21 onwards. For all the Athenians and foreigners who were with, with their, uh, who were there, spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. Now this is Paul, <laughs> Paul in Athens. No, they had no other work. Oh, what is the new thing? What is the latest fad? What is the latest uh, doctrine? Etc. Etc. They had those kinds of attitudes. No. Then what happens? Then Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus and said, "Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very." Religious, actually the word is superstitious. Yeah, KJ, we will use the word superstitious. Isn't it interesting? The most logical person, the people who gave you logic. Who are those people who gave you logic, Baba? The Athenians. Okay. The Greek philosophers who actually developed the Greek language, which has the most toughest form of syntax and grammar so that they can communicate logic. He looks at them, them and says, oh, you philosophers, you Greeks, you dum-dums basically. You are what? <laughs> you are in all, you are in all things what? Very superstitious. Just imagine going and telling that same thing to a guy who graduated with a PhD from Caltech, let's say. Hey, you superstitious 
fellow. <laughs> Hello. He'll, he'll get offended. Paul knew how to, you know, give one in the kishkas, right? So verse 23. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I was, what, what I was doing? I was considering the objects of your worship. I even found an altar with this description to the unknown God. To the, oh, and the problem is, to the unknown God, you don't want to know him actually. You don't want to know him because you know, if you know him, he'll scare you. Okay. If you know him, <laughs> once you know this God, there are only two possibilities. Either you become his slave or bond servant. But slave is a very archaic term. No, nobody wants to be a slave. You're all free to make our choices. Okay. So, uh, to, to the, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing or ignorantly worship, it says. <laughs> you worship him ignorantly. I proclaim him to you. And then he starts off with this. Look at the next verse. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives life to all, uh, gives to all life, breath, and all things. So what is it? Moral of the story to the Jews? For the Jews, what it is? Cross is a stumbling block. They require a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. What, what, what do we proclaim? Christ and him crucified. A stumbling block for, to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks, but to us, to us who are being saved, Christ the wisdom of God. And the <clears throat> power of God. So, what are we doing therefore in the new covenant? We are building God's temple. I am assisting you and myself through the preaching of the word to establish patterns so that, that I and all of us together become the dwelling place of God in the spirit. It's a remarkable, remarkable, uh, what do you say, a serious um, goal. I mean, this is, this should be the aim of all of us. Let us not get distracted with anything else. Lord, my life, my church, sorry, my life, my home, my church should become a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Your place, your spirit should be comfortable in my life. Your spirit should be comfortable in my home. Your spirit should be comfortable in my church. Your spirit should be Lord in my life. Your spirit should be Lord in my home. Your spirit should Lord should be Lord in my church. That is the objective of the entire preaching of the ministry of the word of God. So that we, like you know, um, the Lord is the master of our house, right? People put placards in their homes. I hope that is true. It's good to have those things so that we can, so that we can, we'll not for, uh, forget our purpose and our, uh, and, and our objective in life. Alright. So this, that is our, that is, that is our body and everything that we have should become a dwelling place for God. That He will be comfortable in my home, not only just be comfortable, He'll be the Lord of my life, the Lord of my life, the Lord of my home, and the Lord of my church, and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is what? Why? Why is there is freedom? Why is there liberty? Ye shall know the truths, and the truth shall continuously set free, set you free. And you'll be slowly being conformed to the image of his son incrementally. So we need to build according to pattern. Therefore, if you turn with me to 1423 John in the NIV, you will see this very important um, truth. 
Jesus said, or Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. You see, it comes first, you have to obey the teaching. You cannot just take the teaching into your mind. Okay, a guy who's uh, uh, doing civil engineering, he studies civil engineering so that one day he should build something. Of course, they become software engineers later on. In India, that's the point, no? They will be, first, they wanted to become shaftware engineers, now they become software engineers, no? (laughs) That's a different thing altogether. By the way, that's a very interesting uh, 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 branch in engineering is civil engineering, structural engineering. It's one of the toughest. The place where I graduated from, it was known for its uh, structural engineering department. Extremely brilliant uh, 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 and difficult uh, area of study. Okay, Just like theology. Very difficult area of study. There at least you can go and pass an entrance exam and get and start studying under a professor and you'll become a degree, you'll get a degree. Here, all your life, you're still knowing. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? This is different. You, therefore, you need to ask God for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because upon this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So you need to obey my teaching. You obey his teaching. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him. And what will we, what will we do? We will make our home with him. You know, the word, the word in the Greek is to abode, abode with him. You know what the word, abode comes from the word abide. What does abide mean? Continue to stay. You know, that is what marriage means, right? Abode is to abide. It's like a marriage relationship. We have forsaken everything and everyone to, and choose to abide with the person whom we got married to. It's, it's done. We only go in and out uh, of our homes to do our work things, etc. But we come back home. That is where we live. That is our abode. That is our dwelling. Okay. So everyone, uh, everything and everyone and choose to abide him, to make a home with him, to seek to continue to have a relationship with him. And in order to achieve this, we are supposed to have two fundamentals, foundations in place. In order to achieve a home where it, where uh, a God can continuously dwell, there are two fundamental foundations we need to um have and keep it in, keep in place. These are all spiritual foundations, okay? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? These are two important fundamental foundations so that our home, our lives can be a continuous dwelling place for God. And otherwise, it's quite possible that Jesus is outside the church. That's exactly what happened in the Lower Edition Church. So everything. Now Jesus is outside and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open, I will come and make myself, make my place in you. He's outside the church. And what does he say? Repent. Right? That means they also forgot one fundamental foundation. Repent. He tells the Ephesian church, repent, otherwise I'm going to take my, what? Lampstand. I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'll be out of this place. If you don't have this one fundamental foundation, what are the two fundamental foundations? Repentance from dead works and faith towards God. This is one fundamental foundation which we cannot ever neglect every day of our lives. 
Lord, grant me the grace to uh, practice or uh, work the spirit of repentance or the gift of repentance because the gifts and the callings of God are what? Without repentance. <laughs> Therefore, let this one gift be the gift that we will continue to practice so that practice makes permanent. Thank you so much. Not perfect, permanent. That's I like that because we want to have a what kind of a dwelling place? Permanent dwelling place. Permanent address. This is not temporary. This is a permanent address for God. Where is where, 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 where does God live? He lives in my heart. We sing that song, no? He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. You ask me how I know he lives? Oh, he lives within my heart. That's, that's his address, Baba. <laughs> this is, this is his dwelling place. Amen. So, two fundamental foundations. What are that? Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. We know that. Let's, let's look at that. Mm. For the 7,500th time. <laughs> I don't, I lost count. So, okay. Repentance from dead works. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Let us move on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. So, and we continue to repent, continue to walk by faith and not by sight. And the object of our faith is who? Christ. We are seeking to make our lives a place where His Son, through His Spirit, can dwell in, dwell in us and live His life through us. What is that? We are making a dwelling place for God so that His Son, can live in us and live his life through us. That's the ultimate objective of, of all this, you know, study, etc. Because it is Christ in us who is the hope of our glory, right? Therefore, you'll see this principle in Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. Look at what he says. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. We know this very well, but look at how the construction is. If you can put those two verses together. For I, through the law have died to the law that I might live to God. I, through the law, have died to the law so that I may live to God. Okay. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Okay. First, he lives in me. That means my house has become, my heart has become, uh, my body has become a what? A dwelling place of Christ. What does that Christ essentially mean? Christ means the anointed one. That means there's the anointed person who's living in my heart or in my life. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Ah, you see that again? I live by faith in whom? In the Son of God. Who loved me and he gave himself for me. So the object of my faith is who? The son of God. If I if I'm living by faith in the son of God. One of the things I know is. I can be sure of is that he's dwelling in me. He's living his life through me. And that is the essence of the crucified life. I, I die. So that I will allow him to live. And that is essentially the life of faith. What is What is life of faith Baba? Okay. Life of faith that is. He lives through us. Right. That is what life of faith means, right? Therefore, the object of our faith is who? Son of God, Christ. Okay, that's him. Okay, Acts chapter 20, verse 21. I have declared, or other, if you can put it in the NIV, it's nice. 
I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God. I like that. Turn meaning repent. Turn. Man firao. Firjana. Both. Ekdam. Apka direction. Focus has to be towards God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the object of our faith. Therefore, it is not what do we seek, it is whom do we seek. That's what we said. And Peter was saying, I said, thank you Lord for confirming what you wanted to, want me to share today in the morning. So, we seek the giver, not the gift. My heart's desire is to lift you high above all earthly kings, including me. I'm the big king over there. Raja di Raja, Martha and Teja. Okay. The king, the big king over there. High above all earthly kings. That king could be your spouse, your children, your job, your career, your boss. Or any other thing who, who demands your absolute total allegiance. Okay. Beyond all that, I seek who? I seek the giver. Now, that is how when I know my faith is perfected. When I lay down everything on the altar so that whatever God gives back, I take. Okay, Everything that can be shaken has to be shaken in my life so that whatever remains... Is the things that cannot be shaken. That means those are the things that God has allowed to have in my life. Let everything, let, let us give that, give God that, 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 um, that authority over our life. So Lord, shake, shake, shake everything in my life. Shake everything in my life so that whatever is of God, so that we, we don't have to worry and be concerned about anything. We, that, then we know that we have entered into His rest. Isn't it interesting that when Moses is called into the top of the mountain, before the Lord can give him the Ten Commandments, how many days has he have to wait? Should he wait? For six days. For the six days and on the seventh day when he enters into the cloud, then God gives him the, starts to give him the, uh, the law and the, and the, and the structure of the tabernacle to this man who graduated from the University of Zohar. Zohan? Zohan, yeah, Zohan. You know what he says? Your, prof- your professors in Zohan are what? Fools, it says in, <laughs> in uh, Isaiah chapter 19. All you professors from Zohan with your specialization in structures and pyramids. So what did he have to do? He had to enter into God's rest. And then God begins to show him the pattern of the tabernacle. In other words, you want revelation for your life? Let me tell you something. Revelation is just not for preaching. Revelation is for all of us when we are building something which God has asked us to build. That everything that can be shaken let it be shaken so that whatever is remaining is something which God wants us to have and what God wants us to concentrate on. It's good for us, no? So that we will not be scattered in our energies. That our energies will be absolutely focused in that one thing which is going to be the focus of today's message too. What God wants us to build. Therefore, if we seek the giver and not the gift. That's essentially what was the 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 the, the what he said, the thesis of Moses' life, if you will, was, was, was that, no? 103, 7. 103, 7. But this time, all of you know, whenever I say 103, you know what I'm talking, right? He made known his ways 
to Moses. His acts to the children of Israel. That's the difference between Moses and the children of Israel. Moses, the mature man. That's the mark of spiritual maturity is this. I want to know his ways. Therefore, therefore he says in Exodus chapter 33 verse 13, we know this very well, but to those people who do not know, the children of Israel were only interested in acts. They were interested in the gift. What was Moses interested in? The giver. See, so think about it now. Who's better to have? The giver or the gift? Bolo. The giver kya kone baba? He owns the silver and the gold, cattle on a thousand hills. ಮುಜನಾಸ್ I remember no one of my friends when I was uh, when I was uh, growing when I was growing up he used to work for an, for this ad, ad agency advertisement agency okay he was a, he was a brilliant fellow he was mba in marketing he finished his mba in marketing he was he had, now i think he has his own ad firm i'm not sure so he was working as a in the in the advertising agency so he called all of us all of us his friends for an interview he wanted to interview all of us and he was doing a thesis for his mba project so he was asking all the questions you know? so he asked me vijay what do you want to have i said baba 1.5 million dollar uske baad i will dedicate my life for research so that chota sa bank account <laughs> with interest keep it will keep coming now for the for the rest of my life i don't have to worry about all this for the rest of my life i want to do whatever i want to do okay chota sa bank account no? and god is saying hi i have the one who gives all those things what do you want the gift or the giver that's exactly what happened to the corinthian church that's the reason why they have children they were so excited with the gift they forgot the giver <laughs> so that was the difference between moses and the children of israel children of israel they never graduated from being children of israel they were called children of israel children of israel children of israel everywhere they were children isn't it interesting after jesus rises from the dead and they go back fishing you know what is what what he asked them children kuch pakde kya kuch mila mere ko chhod ke kuch nahi kar paoge tum log you will not be able to anything without me i am the giver baba seek me you are not called to become disciples to speak some stupid things down in the water i'm here seek me so we get so distracted with the gift how we exalt talent we idolize talent american idol indian idol canadian idol every idol now world idol will come after all the idols from the from different different countries will compete for the world idol, world idol position maybe i don't know 
American Idol, Canadian Idol, Mexican Idol, so North American Idol. In all the European countries, one idol. All Asian countries, one idol. Compete for the best idol. This is the, this is how we get carried away by talent. Do you know that? That's how they pamper talent, talent in the, in the world. They're not interested in you. They're interested in your contribution. But God says, no, I'm interested in you. I hope you're interested in me. You see? That's the difference between a disciple and a follower. Got it? So, he says, now therefore, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I might, what? Know you. That I'm, that, and that I might find grace in your sight and consider this nation is your people. So, object of Moses' faith was God himself. Was Christ. Not even the land flowing with milk and honey. Mind you. He said, wherever you are, I want to be there. I just want to be where you are. That's his focus. Dwelling daily in your presence. Take me to the place. Even if you, even if you're in the wilderness. That is exactly what it says in verse 15 onwards now. Look at what it says in 33.15. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not take us to the promised land. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found what? Grace in your sight. Except you go with us, so we shall be separate, your people and I. He knows grammar very well. Your people and I. My wife and I. So it's something like that, no? Your people and I. From all the people who are upon the face of this earth. You see, that is the difference. What what Moses was after, he was after God. See, once you find God, you know, your life will change. You know that, you know that, you know, if you've seen that movie, uh, Cecil DeMille's uh, Ten Commandments, Zipporah will make a statement. To Nefratari. You know what she will say? You lost him when he went in search of his God. To Nefratari. Zipporah says, You lost him when you went in search for his God. I lost him when he found his God. Woo! Goosebumps will just go like that. When you listen, what a dialogue. You lost him when you went in, when he went in search for his God. I lost him. When he found his God. You see? When husband and wife lose each other and find Christ, that is when they actually find each other. As long as they are trying to seek one another, they are bound to to have fights, arguments, what have you. Or compromise. Because you want to maintain peace in the home. You will not be fulfilling God's divine purpose for your marriage or for whatever relationship. Lose yourself, lose each other and find God. Then you will actually find each other. That is the cost of discipleship. We'll come to that later. So, 
find him. That's Moses' thought life, no? This was his attitude. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 onwards. Okay. By faith, Moses, I love that. When he became of age, he, what? Refused (laughs) to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And what did he do? He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. The passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. Greater riches. Wow! The reproach of Christ is greater than the riches and the treasures of Egypt. Do you know that? The ultimate riches is the reproaches of Christ. (laughs) For he looked to the reward. You see, let me tell you something. They're all smart fellows. They're all smart fellows. Okay, They are not dum-dums. You think that Moses is a dum-dum. No. He had his eyes on something else. Adi point. What do you want? $20 million or me? $20 million ko rak. If I have you, I have everything. <laughs> I want to have you. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to the Laudation Church. You know what they did? They were seeking for something other than God. They were said, we don't have, we don't need anything. We're rich. We have increased in goods. And we have need of nothing. You know what Jesus says? You're wretched, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. And then he says, to him who overcomes, you know what I'll do? I'll give him the right and the authority to sit on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat on my father's throne. What a tremendous promise to the compromised church, which has been compromised with with the world. You know what he says? You're seeking for something like this nonsense? Are you seek me? I'll give you everything. Don't get distracted. Let's come to that later on. So, esteeming by faith, he forsook Egypt, not not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's the difference between the children of Israel and Moses. They were still children. Moses was seeking God and people were seeking acts. What is the objective of our faith? The object of our faith, in other words. Whom are we seeking this morning? Or what are we seeking this morning? God and his ways or only his acts? Let's see. John 1, verse 35 onwards. Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus, he walked. He said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Okay. This is what Zach Moonen said no, in, his, in one of his sermons. He said, you know what? The ultimate placard, I mean, what, what do you call that? The, the tombstone, epitaph. Thank you. Uh, you know, my epitaph should be this. They heard him, they heard me speak and they followed Jesus. I, I like that, no? My epitaph should be this. Okay. Final sign, sign off. They heard him speak and they followed Jesus. That should be, of course, our aim too. They heard me worship, they followed Jesus. They heard me speak, they followed Jesus. They heard me live and work in my, in my, in my company, they followed Jesus. They saw me the way I work, they followed Jesus. 
That should be your life. In verse 38. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, What do you seek? <laughs> like that. <laughs> and they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher, where are you saying? Now think about this, my dear brothers. What did Jesus ask them? They didn't ask him, whom do you seek? He asked them, what do you seek? Now look at that. It's a beautiful question. And they said, Rabbi, where do you stay? They want to know. Okay. And then, and then what happened? So, he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. The other was John, of course. Okay. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found. Oh, what do you seek? And what did you find? The Messiah. See, now we, now we were actually, we were thinking, what will this person give us? Actually, we didn't realize we wanted him. Now, what do you seek has become what? Whom do you seek? You see, I'll tell you something. This is such a crucial and important truth. Jesus did many miracles. So many miracles he did. Okay, so many. I mean, it says the number of miracles, if they have to be uh, written, the books of this world will not be able to contain whatever he has said and he has spoken and he has done. So that means terabytes of gigabytes of memory also will not be sufficient. You can have one whole server in the Pacific Ocean, it will still not be sufficient, basically. basically, That's the idea. The modern day equivalent. What do you say? So, on the cloud also will not be sufficient. Okay, all the cloud and the entire GBs of this world cannot, or the TBs or the, uske baad kya terabyte ke baad? Zettabyte, hmm, hexa, peta, tera, giga, mega, yeah, 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 whatever, forget about those, all those things, okay, so those things will not be sufficient, all the miracles, but you know what, two people are recorded, they turn with me to John's Gospel chapter 20, I want to show you something, I wanted to write it and I forgot to write it, this is what happens, when you get distracted sometimes, hmm? John's Gospel chapter 20, are you there? Okay. And and uh, verse one first. Uh, now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And then go to next verse eleven. Sorry, uh, yeah, verse, verse 12, verse 12, verse 12, yeah, verse 12 onwards. Well, let's see from verse 12 on. And she saw, saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus was lain. And then, uh, and they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? That's a very important question. Why are you weeping? Very important question. Why are you? Weeping, okay. <laughs> she said to him, said to, said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when Jesus had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Ah, whom are you 
seeking. She is supposing him to be the gardener. Said to her, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni. Oh, that's remarkable. What does that mean? Uh, which is to say, that is not teacher. My teacher. Okay. Now, it's interesting, right? The only other person in the entire miracles of Jesus who addresses Jesus as Rabboni. Do you know what, who that person is? Go, go turn with me to Gospel according to Mark. Chapter 10. Verse 46 onwards. Now they came to Jericho and he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. One sat alone. Okay. Beside the highway begging. Okay, this guy. Okay. You can just... And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But, the, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And then, and Jesus stood there, stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise. And he is calling you and throwing aside his I told you about it, changing your garments. Throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. And look at what he says. And Jesus answered him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, wow, Rabboni. Think about it. My teacher, I want to receive my, he's not talking about physical blindness, my dear brothers. So actually, so many other translations will translate it as Lord. Very few, actually, only NKJV, if I'm right, uh, translated it as Rabboni. I don't know if you can see it in NASB. Just see that. See that in NASB if it's there. Yeah, okay, NASB says Rabboni. And what about an IV? Lord, I think. KJV also says Lord. It's okay, no problem. Rabbi. Okay, or Rabboni. Anyways, don't, don't worry about it. Rabboni, I want you to give me what? Sight. You understand? So what gives you sight? What gives you sight? What gives you sight? His teaching. <laughs> when you call him, my teacher. He was not seeking for what? A miracle. He was seeking for his what? Ways. Teacher means what? Teach me your ways. Show me your paths. And he calls him what? My teacher. It's a total difference here. So every miracle you see, everybody says, we want my sight. We want my sight. We want our uh, our leprosy to be cleansed. If you are willing, you are, you, are, you are able to cleanse me. Everybody. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not discrediting any of those miracles. I'm not saying that they did not have faith. But this one guy... Blind Bartimaeus. And you see what he says? Look at what he says, 52. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And he immediately received his sight and 
Oh, follow Jesus. The problem is that. He said, Jesus said, go. You know what he said? I am not seeking for the gift. I am seeking for the giver. Raboni. Raboni, Raboni, Raboni. It's a total difference. Everybody, you can see every miracle. This is one miracle you will see that you have one guy who confesses and says, my teacher, give me sight. That's what I am in ignorance, give me sight. I'm in darkness, give me light. I'm in spiritual darkness, give me light. And in order to do that, you know what you should do? You should be a spiritual beggar like blind Bartimaeus when he said, Oh, son of David, have mercy upon me. And when he calls you, when he beckons you to come to him, you know what you should do? You should throw out your garments, your whole life. And when he gives you light, don't run with the teaching and go and start off your ministry. Follow him. You understand? Everybody? So, do you find him? So, what are those things? What are those attitudes that will distract us from that, from seeking him? Who's the other person who called him Raboni? Mary. So, let us go to Luke's Gospel. Chapter 10 and verse 42. First. But one thing is needed. (laughs) Whom did Jesus say this to? Mary. What was she doing? Sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing his word. What does that mean? She's calling him Rabboni. My teacher. Everybody called him Rabbi. Even the disciples didn't call him Rabboni. Do you know that? They called him Rabbi. This is remarkable it is. No wonder Mary Magdalene was the one first one to have a a what do you say the revelation of his resurrection, yeah. Let's read from verse thirty eight onwards. This chapter. Thirty eight to forty two. Forty three. To the end, okay. Now it happened as they went uh, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who was who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her full stop. So what is that, those attitudes, what did I say? Attitudes. Let this mind or attitude be in you. Okay. I told you, no? Satellite and attitude control. Okay. We should have Proper attitude control <laughs> so that we can receive signals <laughs> and transmit signals. We, we have to be people who are channeling the life of God. Channeling is a very dangerous word these days. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? Channeling, boh. I don't want to use those words because nowadays everybody is going, will go to internet immediately and say, what is channeling? Okay. 
but one thing is needed and martha so what are the attitudes what are those attitudes which take us away from seeking that one thing what is that one thing seeking him seeking the raboni what is that what are those attitudes that drive us away from seeking him first let's see let's look at verse uh, 38 so actually uh, 30 uh, sorry 40 first 40 first 40 and 41 let's let's see 40 and 41 but martha was distracted actually the word is afflicted what was she <laughs> that's the meaning martha was afflicted with much serving and she approached him okay verse 41 jesus answered and said to her martha martha you are worried about many things and you are troubled about many things so the three attitudes jesus is looking at first what is the first attitude you are afflicted with much serving and therefore you are distracted second you are worried about many things and therefore you are distracted third you are troubled about many things and therefore you are distracted so you need to understand these three attitudes are so important when jesus points out these three attitudes and let us check our own hearts and our own lives whether we have these kind of attitudes which will distract us from the focus and from that one thing that god has for us to do and what is that raboni seek him not just him call him rabbi everybody called him rabbi he's a great rabbi but is he a raboni that's a different thing, no? You know, he becomes your Raboni only when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's what he says, right? When I go back, when I go, it's good for me to go. When I, when I, when I go away, I'm going to send somebody just like me. He is going to take what is from me and he's going to teach you all things. He is going to be your teacher. When the he, the spirit of truth comes, he will become your teacher. When you say Rabboni, you're not, what, what are you doing? You're making your life as a dwelling place of God in the spirit so that you can be taught his ways and show know his paths. His thoughts become your thoughts. His ways become your ways. And what are those three attitudes that God is fo- focusing at here in this, in this particular passage which will distract you? First is afflicted with much serving you know what one of the things that people are these days are afflicted affliction is going on in this world you know why because their focus is not god whenever you are your focus is not god it becomes an affliction do you know that how do i know it ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 first. Um, I'm being 311, yeah. Here, uh, 310, 310, sorry. Not 311, 310. 310. I have seen that God given task with which sons of men are to be, you know that the word is afflicted. <laughs> afflicted. Sons of men have to be afflicted with what? With a God given task. But what are they afflicted with? Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 13. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all the things that are that are that is done under heaven. And you know what he says? This is a burdensome task which God has given the sons of men by which they may be afflicted. 
you start seeking something else other than God, you will be afflicted. And the problem is, so many people are afflicted like Martha in much serving. They are serving not God, they are serving their own purposes. And therefore they are afflicted. How do you know that they are afflicted? They will say, God, ask Martha, Mary to come in. Help me in my ministry. What is this? Just sitting there and listening. Come on, look at the ministry that I'm doing. I am the only one who's doing. Afflicted with much serving. Oh, I'm building this ministry. Send me money. You are afflicted with much serving. You are not doing God's work. You are doing your own work. And what are you going to do? God, look at my congregation. They don't help me in my ministry. You are afflicted by (laughs) much serving. You see, you don't have time for God to sit at his feet. You know know why? Because you are afflicted with much serving. I was was hearing uh, uh, a very famous Telugu preacher called P.S. Swami Garu. Dear Swami Garu comes from a RSS background and he was doing one, uh, one of, in one of the pastor's conferences. He was telling uh, the pastors, he said, you know what? You pastors, instead of sitting at Jesus' feet and studying and learning your word, for deaths you go, for births you go, for marriages you go, for housewarming you go, but for when the guy gets a car you go, when a guy gets a scooter you go, when a guy gets a cow you go, when a guy gets a new plot you go, when somebody is becoming mature, you go. Everywhere you go, where is the time for you to study? What are you? You are afflicted with much serving. So much of service which God has not called you to do. Afflicted. So, so what do you do? You put pressure on people. Oh, come on, help me in my ministry. Martha, Martha, <laughs> you are afflicted with much serving. When worship becomes hardship, <laughs> take a note. When worship becomes hardship, oh, so much I am doing. Worship is hardship for so many people, including God's people, by the way. Do you know that? Malachi 1.13 Malachi 1.13 You also say, Oh, what a weariness it is. And you sneer at it. Hardship. Jesus said, He said something very powerful. What a powerful statement. We come back to it over and over again. He said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. For me, work is nourishment, not punishment. Worship is not hardship. It's a joy. When worship is joy, then you know that you're not afflicted with much serving. Afflicted, afflicted. You have one, one such people, no? Go to Isaiah 58. Pastor was talking about it yesterday. They were also afflicted with much serving. Look at what it says in Isaiah 58. Verses 1 onwards. Let us enjoy. It's a small chapter. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your, your, your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people the transgression and the house of Jacob their 
sins. Yet they seek me daily. Oh, yo, ah. But they are sinning. Right? That's what they're doing, right? In the in verse 1. And delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted? They say, and you have not seen? <laughs> Why have we, what? Afflicted our souls. And you take no notice. Exactly like Martha. Martha, Martha, don't you see? God, God, don't you see what I'm doing? Why are you not taking any notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers, he said. That's exactly what Martha is doing, right? You are getting afflicted and you want somebody else to come and work for you. So that you can afflict him also. And exploit all your laborers. And then, indeed you fast for strife and debate. I like that. For strife and debate you fast. And to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you did today, this day, to make your voice heard on high. Is this a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul like this? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out a sackcloth and uh, spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast? An acceptable day to the Lord? And then he says, is it not the fast that I have chosen? And that's how, how does, how does it end? Last verse. Verse 12, uh, last, last two verses. We looked at that yesterday. Pastor was talking about it. No? If you turn away your fruit from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and not an affliction. The holier day of the Lord, honorable. And shun or honor Him. Not doing your own ways. Not finding your own pleasure. Not speaking your own words. Then, you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. Worship will not become hardship. It will become a pleasure. Oh, you are cumbered with, it says in, 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 in KJV. You are cumbered with so much of service, service or serving. Cumbered about, no? cumbered. Cumbered with so much of serving. So, don't be cumbered with so much of serving. Enter God's rest. Seek Him there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know what? When you do that, He will precisely tell you what to do. You know that? Precisely. One work, He will give to you. And because you are distracted with so many things, you will miss that one work, which is the most important work that God wants you to do. May the Lord shake everything that can be shaken in our lives. So that whatever is unshaken can remain. Is unshakable can remain. Amen? So let us not be cumbered and be afflicted with much serving. Second, <laughs> you are worried about many things. <laughs> That's the problem. You are worrying, Baba. You know, my ex-boss, no? If he listens to it, only uh, that means he has become a believer. So I'm sure he is not going to listen to this. <laughs> you know what he used to say? Vijay, his standard dialogue, whenever you go to his office, the worry is, and whenever he does worry like this, hair will come out. Now he has no more hair left on his head. He's the only guy who handles the entire robotics lab. Poor fellow. 
and nobody has actually caught his vision. Everybody wants to come and do his own pleasure. Okay, one guy. And he says, the worry is, the worry is, the worry is. Matthew chapter 6. What is the antidote to worry? We know it very well. But we'll reiterate once again. 8,500th time. No? Verse 25 onwards. Therefore I say to you, do not, <laughs> what? Worry about your life. What is that? What you will eat. What you will drink. Nor about your body, what you will put on. Now tell me, what is important? To be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus or to have the put-ons of this world? What do you want? The put-ons of this world? Or to be put on? What should you put on? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you put on Lord Jesus Christ, finished. He is what is called, he is called the beloved of the father. And he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Why will he, why will he with him freely, freely, notice, 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 freely, freely give us all things. All things pertaining to life and also godliness. Freely, freely. So, not about your body, what will you put on? Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Is it not? What a, what a tremendous uh, argument, Baba. Jesus is a very good logician, by the way. Simple logician, simple logician. Life is more than food. Body more than clothing. Then go on. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your, you see, your heavenly father feeds them. Oh, oh, think about it. He, he's not saying their heavenly father. He says, your heavenly father feeds them. Hello, 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 hello. Your heavenly father feeds them. They don't sow, don't reap. What are you worrying? In other words, it says, even a lion, oh, it's, it's, it, it cries out for hunger and he has to wait for the Lord to give him his food. You know that? It says in Psalms. You see National Geographic, that fellow is hunting. But who is going to get the prey for him? It is God. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither, neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father. That's the reason I love the way, way Paul says, my God shall supply your need. Kya baat hai? This is the principle, Baba. To know God as your father. And if you know him as your father, you will not be distracted. If you know God as your father, you will not be, that's the primary purpose of God sending his son. What did he send his son? He sent his son so that we might receive the adoption of sons. And he sent his spirit so that we might cry out, Abba Father. That's what he says in Romans chapter 8, right? He says, you have not received the spirit of fear that will take you back to bondage, but the spirit of adoption by which you call, what you call, cry out to him, what? Abba Father. And if you are children, heirs of God. 
joint heirs with Christ. If you suffer with him, you will also be glorified together with him. So food, clothing and shelter has to be the least of our worries. May the Lord grant us grace to that end. Your heavenly fathers, are you not of more value than they? Did I die for their sin? First of all, we don't, they didn't sin. They are troubled because of your sin. The whole creation is groaning together with you, with pangs of what? Labor pains for the sons of God to be revealed. Because it says creation itself was subject to futility, not willingly, but was subjected in this hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to corruption and attain to the glory of the children of the sons of God. Who are the sons of God? You and I. Glory of the liberty of the sons of God, it says in Romans chapter 8. Paraphrasing, of course. Are you of not more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Actually, you'll grow short. Do you know that? By worrying, actually, you'll go short. Stand upright, man. Show us your true height. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? And then, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say to you, Solomon with all his splendor who sought for all these things cannot is not arrayed like any of these. How much that fellow spent time, Baba? Queen of Sheba came. She, the, she saw the clothing of the servants and she went crazy. She said, Are Baba, kya clothing are bhai What is this clothing? Was not arrayed like one of these. And then it says, Therefore, now if you, if God so clothes the grass of the field which is God, which is today and is gone tomorrow and thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? What is much more? Grace, no? Clothe you, oh, you of little faith. What, what, what does much more mean? You just don't need physical clothing. You need a clothing which will cover the nakedness of your shame and of your sin. You need the clothing of my, the righteousness of my son. That is what you need. And if he has not, if he has already given you that, will he not give you all these nonsense that you are seeking after? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Why? For all these things the Gentiles Seek. Therefore, seek for your heavenly father. Again, you see, again, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Therefore, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. Whom do you seek? What are you worried? You are worried about many things. Martha, you are afflicted with much serving and therefore you are distracted from your purpose. You are worried about many things and you are distracted from your purpose. And the third thing, third attitude. Okay, before we go to the third attitude, how, what is the antidote for this? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. <clears throat> Be anxious for nothing. Uh, what is it? Suggestion? Ten commandments may, a command may add six times. I don't think so. we can't say, but new, command, new covenant commandment. Be anxious for nothing. Im- that means imagine nothing. Okay. 
Nothing you cannot imagine. So be anxious. In fact, what do you know what he's saying? What you're anxiety for, what you're, ang- what you're anxious for is, what you're anxious for is nothing. Be anxious for the kingdoms of things of God. That's what he says, tells Timothy, uh, tells uh, the Philippian church. There are only few people I can trust. Everybody is seeking their own thing. But this fellow doesn't seek his own. He seeks your goodness. And actually the word is, he's careful for your goodness. He's anxious for you. He's afflicted for you. That is what we have to be afflicted for. For the things which God is afflicted for. We'll come to that later on. Okay, so be anxious for nothing but in all things or in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Kya baat hai? Three things already mentioned. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God. Kya baat hai? It's not just peace with God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. They will not be able to understand. How, how come this fellow is not even seeking for these things? You should be, you should stun the world like that, no? That fellow has no great home. He drives on a small bike. All his peers are doing so many other things. But look at this fellow, he's the happiest of all. He has no car. He has no home. He has one bike, which somebody gave. But he's happy. What is this, Baba? Peace of God, Baba. I have him. It is not that I can't afford. No. I don't need it now. My heavenly father knows when to give them. He will add. I just have to labor in what he wants me to do. I don't want to get distracted with these things. Seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. Because you are worried about so many things. And one of the ways to guard your hearts and minds is one one way. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 in NIV for the 11,500th time. Because I lost count. Okay. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthy things. What should you do with the earthy things? Verse 3. Why? Verse 3, on, uh, verse three onwards. For you died and your life is now hidden with, God, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory and therefore what should you do? Put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust evil desires and greed or covetousness which is idolatry put to death because of these the wrath of God is coming. You are actually being saved from the wrath of God because the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven from against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. But you have been given the righteousness of God. And if you have been given and been clothed with the righteousness of God, do you want to go after all these things again? Covetousness and greed, which is idolatry? Because of this, what is coming again? The wrath of God? Do you want to destroy the things which have... I mean, which, do you want to rebuild the things which have been destroyed in your life? Is a question. Therefore... First attitude, you are afflicted 
with much serving. Second attitude, you're worried about many things. Third, you're troubled with many things. What is troubled? I'll tell you what trouble means. Uproar. This is an uproar. This is a tumult. <laughs> See, affliction, worry leads to trouble. I am telling you something. This is the algorithm in life. In the name of Jesus, I am telling you, from the, on, based upon the authority of God's word. You are afflicted with much serving and you don't, people don't recognize you. Second, you will worry about many things. And third, tumult will start. What is tumult? Uproar. War. I will tell you what, what Jesus warned us. Matthew chapter 24 verse 6. <laughs> Something about the last days. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not ah, troubled by these wars. Hopefully you don't have a war going inside of your own heart. I hope that you have quelled every war in your own heart. That's what he's saying. For all these things must come to pass because there's going to be tumult all around. There's going to be unrest all around. I hope your heart is at rest. So how do we get wars? We know it very well, no? But this time you should know. James chapter 4, verse 1 onwards. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Question mark. Let us answer, he says. It's a rhetorical question. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? What is it? It's a desire for pleasure which is warring in your members and that causes a lot of trouble. What is pleasure? Seeking your own way. That is what pleasure means, right? We want to give, we sang that song now, to give you pleasure, Lord. If you want to give God pleasure, there's only one way. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 will say, you don't have to turn there. If without faith it is impossible to give God pleasure. And without uh, having this attitude to um, to be pleasing to the one who has entrusted you as a soldier and sub- and submitting it to his authority, it is impossible to give God pleasure. If you are battling not your battles but the if you are battling the battles of the Lord, and I mean, if you are battling your battles and not the battles of the Lord, you, it is impossible to give God pleasure. The problem with Saul was, he was battling not the Lord's battles, but his own battle. And therefore, on the other hand, we'll come to Saul later on, but David on the other hand, he was fighting the battles of the Lord. So he says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war in your members? And then he says what? You lust and you do not have. Oh, you crave. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You lust and you do not have. What does it mean? You keep lusting even if you have it will not satisfy you. That's the point. How much money can satisfy you? How much pleasure can satisfy you? How much of internet pornography can satisfy you? 
you will be going from one level of debauchery to the next. How much of money in the bank can satisfy you? It's a beggar's bowl. It will suck up everything and still be empty. Our hearts are restless, Augustine says, until they find their rest in God. We are a tumult. There's a tumult which is going on in our heart. We are troubled. There's an uproar in our heart. And we are, there is an uproar for many things and we are not seeking after that one thing. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. Why? Why can't you obtain? Because it eludes you. Oh, this is the last gold medal. <laughs> no, 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 no. Next year again. Oh, this is the last Grand Slam. No, 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 no. Federer has one more. Djokovic will say, Rafa has two more. I should become numero, you know. And he becomes numero, you know, let's say. Oh, the gap between me and the other people are very less. They might overpower me. They might overtake me. Let me get a few more. You lust and covet can never obtain. That's the point. You fight and war and you do not have because you do not. Why? Because you are asking for the wrong thing. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures and because of that what is going on inside of your heart there is a tumult, there is a war. There is an uproar which is going on. You understand that? Keep on asking amiss. That's what he says. You seek, you will find. You ask, you will receive. You knock, it will be open. But, but, what are you seeking? You're seeking for the gift of the Holy Spirit? You're seeking for the person? Or you're seeking for the gift? Because gift will never satisfy you. And the Corinthian church was full of gifts, but war and tumult and fighting. Thessalonian church, we don't talk about gifts. Do you? But he says, your faith is being spoken of in the whole world. You have become examples for all the churches in Macedonia, he says. Macedonia? Yeah, Macedonia. Then he says, the, 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 the believers in Macedonia, in a great trial of affliction, it overflowed into what? Liberality. Wow. In the great trial of affliction, it overflowed into liberality. Kya baat hai? Oh boy. You see, it is more blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> Not to receive alone. That you may spend it on your own lust. There's an uproar which is going on inside of our heart. There's so much of uproar, my dear brothers and sisters. Let us quell it before it goes out of hand. And then he says, you adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be the friend of, God, friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. Okay, that's the reason why war is there. Okay. Either you fight the world or God fights you. What do you want? (laughs) 
That's what he says, right? Or do you think that the scripture says in vain that spirit in, who dwells in us yearns jealously? And verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he gives. He says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Either God says, either I fight you, or I fight alongside you to fight the world in you. What do you want? Choice. Therefore, 7. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And look at verses, verse 8 and 9. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And okay, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You broken into two minds and fragments, you dipsychos. That is the reason why there should be only one head. Otherwise, we have division. What is that? Division ka matlab kya hai? Two visions. That's what division means. That means two heads. One fellow is seeing in one direction, the other guy is seeing in the, one, in the other direction. Totally, mutually orthogonal to each other. That is the reason why there should only be one head. Who's that head? Jesus. Aradha Maikaliya. So first three three attitudes. What are the three attitudes? He says, first attitude, you are afflicted with much serving. Also, question your serving. Is your worship hardship? (laughs) Is the question. Komadila question. Your worship is hardship or not? Second, are you worried? Anxious? Third, is there a tumult going on in your heart? Quell, quell it. You know why? There's a desire for pleasure to have your own way. Quell it. And then Jesus says, if you quell these three things, there's one lady sitting there. That one thing is needed. You're distracted with much serving and worried and troubled with many things. My goodness. We never thought serving will distract us. It will. It will if it is not God's work. It will distract you. Okay. You got it? Already. So, all these things distract, things happen to distract us from that one purpose. So, what did Mary do? 1039. Look. She had a sister, Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. See, she would sit at the feet of Jesus, learn from him, and do that one work which was essential. What was that work? Does anybody know? Turn to John's Gospel, chapter 12. John's Gospel, chapter 12. We'll come to that very well. Chapter 12 and verse 1 to 8. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who was, uh, who was, uh, who had been raised from the dead, whom he had raised from the dead, uh, sorry, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, there they made him a supper and Martha, 
served. No, no, this is a different Martha, okay? Martha continues to serve, but she is not afflicted with much serving. She only served. Praise God. No, it is truly worship, not hardship, okay? Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. I think he was a very lazy guy. I don't know, but, but that's okay. No problem. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. One place that she will always find. You know what that? What, what, is it, what that place is? The feet of Jesus. Asalu, a different ball game altogether. Yeah, I think all the PhDs and the HTSFOs should learn from her. Sit at his feet. Jesus washed with water. She washes with ointment only. Okay, that's okay. That's a different thing. I'm not making a, a doctrine out of it. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with, his, with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. This is the thesis of that incredible book by Watchman Nee. Breaking of the outer man and the release of the spirit. If you want to read it, you can read it and go crazy. Don't blame me. Okay. I read it and I will blame Pastor Eric if you're listening to it. Okay. <laughs> but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Help himself in other translations. Okay. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my ah you sit at Jesus' feet that's the one thing that you should do and when you sit at Jesus' feet you will hear that one work that you should do what is that one work prepare his body for his burial why is this important turn to Mark's gospel chapter 15 verse 1 the poor you have always with you okay but me you do not have always Immediately in the morning, the chief priest had a, held a consolation, yeah, with the elders and scribes in the whole council, and they bound Jesus, let them, so, so, 16, Mark 16, sorry, Mark 16 was one onwards. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. By this time, he's already gone. He's gone. There was only one opportunity before his death. There was one opportunity to anoint him. She heard. She did that one work. And the rest of the people missed it. This is what will happen. If you, if you are cumbered with <laughs> much serving, if you are worried and if you are troubled, you will miss that one work. And you will enter into eternity with regret because that one work has been done by somebody else. Don't let anybody steal your crown. Baba, be competition. competition okay? We are not competing here on this side of eternity. We are competing there. This side of eternity, who cares? No. Who cares on this side of eternity? Whether you are mega panned or nothing. On that side of eternity, we are running a race. All run a race, but one gets the prize. Okay, thank you. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Let me give you two examples. Start the finish. Start the finish and the point of no return. 
What is that? Start, finish, point of no return. Let us look at the start of the great man, King Saul. For the 12,500th time. Okay. First Samuel chapter 9 and verse 6 onwards. And he took him, look now, there is a city, there, there is in this city a man of God and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there, perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. And go on, till verse 9. Then Saul said to the servant, but look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone and there is no present to give, the, give to the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Look, I have here one-fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. And then verse 9. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to seek of God, that is the word, actually the exact word is, seek God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer. For he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. Okay, so if you want to seek God, whom do you seek? A seer. That is the start of Paul's life. Who was he seeking? Seeking the prophet and therefore seeking God. Saul's end. 1 Samuel chapter 28 verse 7 onwards. Then Saul said to the servants, find me a woman who is a medium that I might go to inquire or ask or seek after her. And his servant said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium in Endor. Oh, where did you start? Seeking God. Where did you end? Seeking a witch. What happened? Point of no return. He got distracted. You know what he got distracted with? Let's turn to the point of no return. Everybody should know the point of no return. Yeah, exactly. So, first Samuel chapter 15. So, everybody knows Baba. They know their words so well. At least if they have, if you have graduated from our school in these two, two months, you will know these passages at the back of your head. First Samuel chapter 15, verse uh, 10 onwards. Actually, yeah. 10 onwards. Now, the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as the king. For he has turned back from following me and has not perform my command. He has turned back from seeking me and he has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. And he cried out to the Lord all night. And look at this next verse. Next verse. So Samuel rose up early in the morning to meet Saul. It was told Samuel saying Saul went to Carmel and indeed he has set up a monument for... What did he get distracted with? Honor. Name for himself. And that's it. After this, point of no return. It's over for him. Look at, look at, look at how Samuel puts it. He was setting up a monument for himself. Look at how Samuel puts it in verse 17 onwards. Verse 17 onwards. Actually, verse 16. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet and I will tell you what the Lord has said to me last night. Another, shut up, please. And he said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, what did you do? You were seeking after God. Now what are you doing? You are setting up a monument to yourself. You started seeking your own glory. You started by seeking God. You ended up by seeking a witch. In the middle, what has happened to you? You got distracted with your personal glory. 
That is the reason why John's Gospel chapter 5 verses 41 to 44 will say, I do not receive honor from men. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. Why? I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, in his, in his own name, you will receive. How can you believe? You who receive honor from one another, one another and do not seek. Oh, my dear brothers, who do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. Whom are you seeking is a question. That's exactly what happened to Saul. He started by seeking God. He ended up by seeking a witch. And in the middle, what was the problem with him? Sought his own glory. Finished. Gone. Point of no return. That is the reason why it says in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. For do I now to, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek, you see that? Seek to please men. For if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Bond servant ka matlab kya hai? I seek his will and his will alone. And I seek his honor and his honor alone. There's another guy who had another point of no return. Another king. Point of no return after this. After this, mean point of no return means after this, the things in his kingdom is not going to be the same again. Over. Second Samuel chapter 11. For the <laughs> 10,000 fans at time. Verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then, then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and ah inquired about the woman and not about God. And after this, finished. Point of no return for Israel, for David's house. What is this man? What was this man? How he wrote the chief psalmist of Israel, no? He was the one who wrote Psalm 27, no? Look at what it says in Psalm 27. Let's read from verse 4 onwards. We know the song very well. One thing, I have desired of the Lord. That will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord first. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. And then he says. Next verse. For in the time of trouble he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle. If you are seeking God. Where is the tabernacle now? Ah, <laughs> Joab and the tabernacle and the, and the Ark of the Covenant is where? In the wilderness. And you want me to stay here in Jerusalem? No, no, no. You lost. You got distracted with pleasure. One got distracted with honor. The other got distracted with pleasure. And you know what happens? Point of no return. 
for whom are you seeking this morning? Whom are you seeking? Let's read the last verse for the day. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 12 and 13. 13 or 12, 12 onwards, okay? Not that I have already attained or am I already perfected. But I press on. <laughs> I press on. You see, there's no point to... Re- there's never relaxation. In the kingdom of God, if you relax like David, finished, over. Over for you. He relaxed. He launched, it says, in Jerusalem. He was in a hammock. It, he was at ease. See, that's what I'm telling you, you know, when you get into ease, you know, the, the flesh likes ease. It likes to be at ease. So he says, I press on. Pressing ka matlab, agonize. Pressing on ka matlab, ma jante ho na. I was looking at one uh, recent uh, 100 meters dash, okay. You should, it's a funny, <laughs> funny video. Funny 100 meters dash, okay. The the fire the, the 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 gun goes off and these fellows are off the what about it what do you what do you call it the off the blocks yeah they they are off the blocks and they run two guys are you know they are almost close to each other you know what one guy does when he even as he's enter reaching the finish line he just jumps like that <laughs> it was so funny I mean they're almost close to each other and this fellow just leaps and he hits the finish mark and he goes on to the other side. I said, boy, man, I want to be like that. I said, no, I want to be like that, like Paul, pressing on. I don't have talent like Insane Bolt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what will I do? I will stretch myself like crazy and I will press on. But I press on. Oh, you insane bolt. Sorry, Usain bolt. I, okay. It's not insane bolt. It's Usain bolt. Okay. It's Usain bolt. Usain bolt. Usain bolt. You know, when he actually gets on the block, he's at least a good 10 meters away from the rest of the gang. You know that in a 100 meters race, almost 5 to 10 meters in a 5 to 10 meters in a 100 meters dash is huge. Huge. And then he relaxes even as he's coming to the, uh, coming to the, what is that, that, that finish line, no? It's as if, you know, he's like, ah, I know it, finish, oh yeah. That relaxation itself is almost like 40 kilometers per hour. Can you believe it? That is Usain Bolt. But for us, like that man, you just press on with the whole body, press on, that is what I get the picture, press on. That I may lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. What do I do? I forget. I have a very good STM, short-term memory. Okay, Forgetting those things which are behind. Meaning all my successes and my failures. Both. It's easy to forget failures. Actually, easy to forget failures and very difficult to forget your successes. Okay? The trophies, I think David would have put all his, all the crowns of all the kings that he has conquered in his, he might have had a, a Grand Slam trophy compartment in his home. 
अरे देख रहे हो दैट वॉज द क्राउन ऑफ दैट किंग नो अरे उस दिन हम लोग गए थे we conquered that fellow's crown we got it here and that is that is the crown of that king that is the crown of another king trophy compartment uske baad relax abhi i've given the chance to the next generation finished gone there was another crown for him waiting the crown at raba and what was he doing relaxing in jerusalem and joab is saying unless you come i will get the crown you know you remember what happens right he goes there after the entire episode of uh, of of betsiba and he gets the crown later on is a crown waiting for you one thing forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead so put your whole body to the pedal man you know put the pedal on the gas so that you will come to a point where you will never turn back in your spiritual walk that's a good point of no return now now after this god knows this fellow he is not going to turn back he is the cross before me the world behind me no turning back because you know why if he puts his hand on the plow and he turns back he is not fit for the kingdom of god so whom do you seek this morning komadila question let's pray father we just thank you lord for this day we worship you we praise you we give you glory we give you honor commit all of us into your hands let your name be lifted up let your name be glorified through our lives and i pray lord that we will not be distracted we will not be father afflicted with much serving will not be anxious with many things will not have a war and a tumult that good that is going on in our hearts because of our pleasures and because of our desires that have not been attained in our lives but one thing will seek to dwell in your house to behold your beauty to inquire in your temple we thank you we, pr- we praise you to that and i pray that you would bless all of us that we will lay aside every distraction every sin and every weight and every weight and every sin that so easily easily ensnares us looking unto jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith i pray lord jesus we will stay focused and we will press on to that and i pray that you would bless the meditation of this word we thank you we praise you for in jesus name amen amen